It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother welcome everyone to reliving the war this is the podcast where we basically do do what it says on the title and that is relive the monday night wars my name is nims Azor, joined as always by my tag team partner simon tackler this is live and exclusive on the gray wolf entertainment network we urge you to head into our archives and look back at the rise and fall of WCW in real time. It is really, really cool. We're up to 1999 at the moment. It is February 1999. And Simon, we, because we like to do WCW pay-per-view, WWE pay-per-view, WCW pay-per-view, we have actually sort of flipped the script a little bit because this pay-per-view actually came out before the WCW one did, which we already reviewed, which was, of course, Fall Brawl, not Fall Brawl, Super Brawl 9, and boy, was that a forgettable experience. It was terrible. What an all-time stinker that show was. However, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, yeah, normally WWE, they'll schedule their pay-per-views later in the month. But this was an opportunity too good to pass up. Uh, the Sunday was Valentine's Day, Feb 14. It all worked perfect. So they thought we're going to run a show on Valentine's Day. We're going to sell it out and we're going to break some pay-per-view records. That is wild to think how popular the WWE was at the time that they could sell out the building, break pay-per-view records for like a non-WrestleMania, non-Big Four show, and put this on Valentine's Day. And you saw there were lots of women in the crowd too there in uh, in Louisville. They came out for this show, which is just crazy. It was crazy. It was huge. This this felt like a WrestleMania. And like you sort of said, it showed how popular WWE was at the time. So we'll start off with the pay-per-view. We had that signature Attitude Era uh, sort of pre-roll, which is awesome. I love the music package that started up, uh, which was kind of old-timey, but it also was very Attitude Era. Featured China turning on DX to join the corporation. And uh, it summed up, it basically summed up the Attitude Era in a nice little video package, didn't it? Yeah, it was so good. It was set to, you know, yeah, black and white, like 1920s, you know, golden age of Hollywood type stuff. And it had a, Mm. I'm assuming an original song that was made to sound old. I feel like Jim Johnston knocked this one up, you know, to be my Valentine. And it was the feud of Austin and McMahon and... Yeah, fantastic video. And again, it's not even close when we talk about the the difference in production quality now. I, I think that the, the cool thing too is like we we actually have mentioned this numerous times like uh, off air, just like, you know, where we chat to our friends about wrestling. The, the WWE does a great job that if you've never seen any of their pay-per-views, you can jump straight in and be up to speed because this basically summed up the entire Attitude Era. It highlighted that the steel cage is going to be a 
big thing in the uh, pay-per-view as well. And then we were live from Memphis. So the King was absolutely over as hell. Like the guy got some of the biggest cheers, the biggest pops. And he almost, and he did lose his voice too. He absolutely did. I want to know what he was doing the few nights before to lose his voice in the first match. Uh, Yeah, sorry. They were in Memphis in Tennessee. And this crowd was just absolutely wild throughout the show. Jerry Lawler, this was legitimate. There were so many signs in the crowd saying Jerry for mayor because he tried running uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't Didn't win the election, but it didn't go too well in the end. I don't even think that he barely made a scratch. I think it was yeah. kind of like when Linda McMahon went for a senator job, but um, <laughs> and then eventually but, just bought a job on yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump's uh, cabinet or whatever. <laughs> so we kick off with our first match, which is Goldust versus the Blue Meanie as Blue Dust. Now, all I got to say is. Blue Meanie does a hell of a gold dust impersonation. And I love that even though Lawler doesn't have a voice, he still refers to him as an ECW reject. Oh, Jerry Lawler went hard right away. Like he will never let it go how much he hates ECW. And and it's it, there's a real hatred in his voice when he does it too. Uh, it's great. That was my favorite part of the match. Uh, gold dust being super, super over. That was fun too. I got to say, looking back on these shows, the whole blue meanie thing doesn't age well. It's not offensive. It's not like, ooh, that was a thing of its time. It's just not interesting. To me, it's like Al yeah. Snow and Head. You look back at it and you're like, what were we thinking? I don't mm. know. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where, like, yeah, we get it that the Blue World Order was super, super popular, but, like, on a grander stage, it's sort of like, you know how like, if you tell a joke among, like, a group of friends, it's, like, the funniest thing in the world. But then you try to tell it to a broader audience, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah I guess you had to be there kind of thing. Yeah, if you were like, oh, no, no, but in ECW, this guy was awesome. Like, oh, why was he awesome? Oh, well, you know, they did an NWO parody and they were blue because he's yeah. the blue meanie. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he was the blue guy instead of the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And Stevie Richards was there as, like, big Stevie cool. Not Big Daddy called like, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's but you're right. That's the gist of it. You were right, though, about Goldust. It was cool seeing him being that over, especially after all these years of, like, the artist formerly known as Goldust and, yep. and Dustin Runnels, the the sort of the, the preacher's son and all that stupid gimmick. Like, this was Goldust just being a kick-ass wrestler that just happens to wear a full-body gold suit. Yeah, exactly. Like, realistically, this was, you know, in the South. They know Dustin Rhodes. He's that type of wrestler. He performed well. I love Goldust as a face. He's always good. Uh, Thankfully, this match ended in three minutes. I thought this was going to drag, but it ended. And then the other thing I forgot, though, like, I, you know, we talked about Shattered Dreams. Goldust has hit it a couple of times so far. But by this point, it's been established as this show-stopping moment. When he teased hitting the Shattered Dreams after the match, the crowd went wild. Yeah, yeah. Because Goldust uses the curtain call as his primary finish and sort of like the the Shattered Dreams. Because obviously Shattered Dreams would end up in a DQ. So that's kind of like his exclamation point. Yeah, this isn't Super Brawl. You can't just kick a guy in the nuts and not get DQ'd (laughs) for it. Yeah, exactly. So he he got the win against Blue Mean. He gave Blue Mean the curtain call. And then... You're right. The shattered, it was like an, not an Austin pop, but the fact that everyone was just like, yeah, give him the, like, kick him, kick him. <laughs> yeah. And 
The WWE gets criticized a lot for their camera angles. They perfectly always nail the shattered dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah. They make it look so good. Like, you know, I'm sure there's some magic and trickery there, but on camera, it looks like he kicked the Blue Meanie square in the nuts. <laughs> Next up, it's a, a throwback to Vince McMahon on Sunday Night Heat from early in the evening. It's Austin and McMahon with HBK, and it's known that Steve Austin can't touch uh, Vince McMahon unless, and the consequences of if he does, he's fired. So Vince spits on him ahead of the match tonight. And you forget that Sunday Night Heat was like basically used as the kickoff show. Yeah, if it was the night of a pay-per-view, which, you know, back then were only on Sundays, it's a different time now. But yeah, Heat would be used as a lead-in. It would be done in the arena there and they would shoot some, you know, last-minute angles to get you your keen on it. This one looked pretty fun. Uh, I love HBK and Austin being friends at this time. I don't know yeah. why. They had like weird char- like charisma and chemistry together. Because a year ago, they were the biggest rivals. They hated each other. It was them going into WrestleMania for the title. But a year later, they're just having drinks in San Antonio, you know, in that, that raw pre-tape. And here, they're just getting along, you know? So weird. And when you actually put it that way, because if you really stop to think about it you're like why are they friends but obviously you know it's just one of those things it's like don't worry about it just enjoy it like they used to be tag park partners like we saw in 97 but they were tag partners who mm-hmm. didn't get along that hated yeah, each other never yeah. been friends yeah what about austin's yeah, shirt so- he was wearing a, a camouflage shirt but did you notice the top of it folded over almost like a robe or a kimono <laughs> no. it was a strange shirt i was like what's austin wearing <laughs> i don't know where he got it but yeah it was like a camo kimono it was uh very very good there are some it's funny because watching back these 99 papers and we only watched two but all of a sudden some of the weird uh attires in wrestlemania 2000 on nintendo 64 you're just like oh that's right that was a real one yeah. damn <laughs> we'll see some bob uh, yeah, next up, it is Al Snow versus Bob Holly for the vacant hardcore title. Basically, the job squad explodes here. And uh, i got to say, so Bob Holly is just Bob Holly at the moment. He's not hardcore yet. And the match just starts off with an immediate chest shot by Al Snow to the head. And it's a vicious one as well. Yeah, first move of the match is a chair shot to the head, and pretty much from the bell ringing, they go out of the ring, they go to the crowd, they go to the stage area, they go backstage. This match goes (laughs) everywhere. I remember at the time watching this as a kid, being kind of blown away by this, because the the ending is very memorable, where they fight in the Mississippi River. Watching it back, we've like if you go back from 1999 till now, we've seen literally thousands of these matches. Like, oh, uh, now he's hitting him with a can backstage. We've seen so many. But trying to go back to this one, which was kind of set the blueprint for lower Mm. to mid-card hardcore matches, it's pretty good. I I actually wrote down here, like, um, like it's it's a garbage match, but this was very much the style at the time. Like, everyone was doing this. And it sort of peaked with Crash Holly as the 24-7 title. Also made note, like, you talk about, like, this being, you know, something that was happening a lot back then. You can kind of see why WCW Mayhem, the video game, SmackDown on PlayStation and No Mercy were so big on having backstage areas after this match. Because in this era, this was this blew you away. Yeah, and that was such a big thing. It was like, oh, well, I wish we could do that in the game. So, you know, the more backstage areas, the better. And then WCW had to take it too far with backstage assault. <laughs> 
It's funny because that's literally the next note that I've written after that. Like Baxter Dissault may have taken it too far. Did you? Did you? <laughs> I, I was amused that Michael Cole mentioned uh, Sparky Plug as a gimmick, and I don't ever remember Bob Holly being Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> what was he? That's He's what Michael Cole said. said. Yeah. No way. I don't remember him saying. I that. don't remember. I, yeah, he, he mentions that like he was a former Intercontinental Champion. I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> no way. I'm, I'm I, I, Googling I, it I, now. Yeah. Did you find anything? No, I didn't because I because part of me is like, he's he must be mistaken. He probably meant tag <laughs> champ or something like that. There's a there's literally but, an article here to, on Google. <laughs> it's the second uh second result. No, Hardcore Holly did not win the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship. <laughs> I guess so, so, so clearly it's, people have been re-watching this and just like, did he win the Intercontinental? And then someone Cole actually did a deep dive. Uh, uh, look, championships and accomplishments in the World Wrestling champ. Federation. He was NWA World Tag Champ with Bodacious Bart. He was mm-hmm. a six-time hardcore champ, a three-time WWE tag champ, and a uh That's it. Yeah, no, that's it. He never won the That's it. Wow, yeah, that so one when, bit of commentary from Michael Cole steered, steered everyone wrong. But I did love that. No, no, no. That, that one bit of commentary had everyone watching going, that cannot be right, to the point that it's actually a Google search that says, no, he was not an intercontinental champion. Yeah, and this article even says that, you know, um, that you may be thinking it's the Mandela effect because everyone... Seems to remember Hardcore Holly being Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. It says yeah. here, however, many fans seem to remember him winning the championship in the 90s. However, if you go through the annals of history, there is no mention of the title win and no evidence of him ever holding the belt. Yeah, clearly he must have been uh, He must have been in the finals where Pat Patterson won the first belt uh, in Puerto Rico or Brazil, wherever it was. <laughs> okay, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Many people think they have come from a different universe where Bob Holly did take home the Intercontinental title. While he was never officially the champion, they did see him win the title on an episode of Action Zone in 1995. Hardcore Holly defeated Jeff Jarrett to win the title. At the time, he was Sparky Plug. He pinned Jeff Jarrett during the show to become champion, but then the ref noticed that Jarrett's foot was on the rope, so it was dusty finish, I guess. Officially, he had not won the title, even though he had the visual win uh, with the belt on TV. The match was then restarted with Jeff Jarrett beating him. So there you go. Michael Cole, big fan of WWF action. (laughs) Watching WWF (laughs) action and the second Bob Holly held the title, Michael Cole was like, I'll change the channel Done. now. <laughs> I've, I've seen the win. Thank he you very much. <laughs> um, like you sort of mentioned, though, we're going back to this uh, this match. Bob Holly is uh, another thing that Cole mentioned. Did you pick up that he said that Michael that um, Bob Holly was a welder? I did. That's one of my only notes here. They mentioned Holly is a welder by trade. I never knew that, yeah. and I like that because <laughs> he came into the WWF and his trade was car race, you know, race car driver, not welder. Mm. Why didn't they go with Welder? Yeah, at this point in time, Michael Cole must have like some alternate universe Bob Holly that's going <laughs> on in his mind. Yeah, man, I remember Bob Holly. He had the Welder gimmick and he was IC champ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, look, it, it's this match, actually, I was thoroughly sports entertained by it. But uh, else, no, chokes Holly with a wire 
And the weapons and stuff that these guys use also is a sign of the time if you ever bought the action figures back in the day because they'd always come with like lampshades and all of these Ooh. stupid paraphernalia because it was used in matches like this. But they, like you said, they fight down to the river. They both go into the river to massive cheers from the audience as well. And then Bob Holly wraps up Al Snow in a bit of chain link fence to get the pin. It's a great visual. And then he goes back into the arena to celebrate. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, not a bad match at all. A bit of fun. Uh, you know, this is what made Bob Holly hardcore. So we're going to see more of this moving forward. And you know what? Hey, it worked out for him. He was one of the guys who was struggling to find his thing. And even he found it. If you look at guys like the Smoking Guns, and, you know, so many bad gimmicks, uh, Isaac Yankum, they all figured it out. Bob Holly was, like, trailing behind, and he finally got his Attitude Era yep. gimmick. Yeah, finally got that there. And uh, uh, next up, there's a little WWF.com looking back at the Ministry of Darkness. And uh, this it's, it's a weird little, what are they, like, all huddled around a barrel? A I thought that, barrel? too. They were meant to be inside with, like, a ceremonial fire but yeah it looked like a bunch of hobos huddled around a trash <laughs> <The> fire. can fire <laughs> like <laughs> like i would be like i don't know about this cult undertaker it's not very you know high class here yeah i i just remember at the time i at the time i remember loving uh ministry undertaker but mm. when you watch it back you're like this is such a crappy gimmick <laughs> all of his it's... verbiage so far is real like he doesn't sound convincing yeah and, and it's all about the purity of evil. Let the powers of darkness come. Like, it just seems like he, he's just, he's doing like Mad Libs, but like a gothic version. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I think though, son, we have to, we have to celebrate because the fact now, Midian taking on the boss man officially signals the end that we will never, ever see another Godwin's match as long as we do this show. We will. And I was happy about that, but, and, and hey, I love the big boss man, but Big Boss Man versus Midian. Why would you put this on a pay-per-view? Two heels from two, you know, heel factions. No, what, You don't want to cheer anyone. Uh, this wasn't good. No one could really get this match going. The crowd chanted boring. Boring, yeah. Not a good idea. I, I wrote down here, this has a real career mode in WrestleMania 2000 on N64 vibe to it. Yeah. And... Um, and da, 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 what else did I put here? Uh, this is a WCW level match with the guys who were probably at their peak in 1993. Mm, not good. Uh, the only pop for the match was the Undertaker's gong going off at the yeah. end when they all come out and the Ministry beats up the boss man because you've got to set up the WrestleMania Hell in a Cell showdown between the Undertaker and the big boss man crazy i can't wait for that because that actually leads us to a commercial for wrestlemania 15 pretty cool it, it it's this it's amazing that you look at this wrestlemania i think it's it's wrestlemania 2000 or wrestlemania 16 whichever one you want to go with um where it sort of became the event that we know well it started off being the event because when we get up to wrestlemania 15 it's amazing just how like bland it is like even it's like wrestlemania 14 kind of i think there was a real hesitance for a few years during the 90s to maybe pump up WrestleMania to an extent that they couldn't deliver on. And mm -hmm. I think they were still a little, like for this one, for 15, I thought the ad was awesome. Honestly, it was a great oh, short ad, yeah. the, the awesome voiceover. And they touched on some of the history and the pageantry of WrestleMania. You would want to order it, but just in terms of what WrestleMania was and how it looked, there's a few in that era from 
I would say from 11, 11 to like 16, where they kind of like, it doesn't feel big. Yeah. You know, WrestleMania 10 gets a pass because it's going back to Madison Square Garden. That felt big. WrestleMania 9, they tried the gimmicky Caesar's Palace. It sucked. But, you know, between like WrestleMania 3 and 8, they're all, you know, big stadiums, big main events, blah, blah, blah. In the 90s, they weren't sure what they had. Yeah, and it's like like WrestleMania 12 is sort of the outlier of being a good WrestleMania Mm. in that sort of era, and that's only because a good chunk of it is Brett versus Sean. Yeah, they were forced to not book a bunch of filler matches, but, you know, they would have (laughs) if they had the time. And then then once they had the confidence from WrestleMania 17 onwards, they were like, nah, we're going to treat them all big now, so... Hell yeah. Um, we got a Kevin Kelly backstage segment here. It's D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry with Ivory. Uh, and I can tell you right now, Mark Henry is in full sexual chocolate mode here. And it's funny because they, they still have like remnants of the nation, but not. It's like they've got their gear. It's just like, well, we we've, it's still good gear, but we can't be the nation anymore. Yeah, it's got so like the little, bit, uh, like the African sort of design of the nation, but they're like, mm, yeah. now it's just purple. You know, they've just changed the yeah. color. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a palette swap, like it sort of. Yeah, thing. if you both pick Ryu in Street Fighter, one guy's in like a red <laughs> outfit or something. <laughs> also, speaking um, of weird outfits, it only just hit hmm. me. I never thought about it as a kid because I didn't care. But Ivory, her name is Ivory, but her signature color was purple. Purple isn't Ivory. (laughs) That's not what that means. No, no, no. It's it's very stupid. And also, Ivory is white. Yeah, well, that's now that makes sense. (laughs) I didn't realize that as a kid either. That because she was the white one with the two black guys. No, but she's still, like, if you put her next to, like, Terry Runnels, she's not white. (laughs) She's a white person. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Was that, that was a joke. I'm I'm only figuring this out watching it back as an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's the, it's the whole, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's the Mortal Kombat thing of naming a purple ninja Rain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's exactly that. Because you've got to do the real deep dive to go. Oh, that's why. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, as I said, Ivory and Mark Henry, very interesting pos- uh, like little combination here. And uh, he he gives her some uh, like some real attention here, but um, and some flowers too. It's such an what that what is Mark Henry at the moment like? I don't know. He's like between sexual chocolate and between being a serious wrestler. I don't know. It's a weird time for him. It is really weird, but then uh, it gets even it gets even better because Jeff Jarrett and Owen are out next with Deborah, and no chest plate for D-Lo. Did you know that he doesn't have the chest protector anymore? Yeah, full fledged face now, so he can't be cheating with the chest protector. Even though he got over with it, and the crowd was always entertained by it. Uh, this was, I thought, the best match to this point. Uh, this yeah. really yeah. picked up the, the level of you know wrestling quality. Fun bit early on in the match where Michael Cole says Owen Hart told him backstage that he's never had a better tag partner than Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I love Take the- that bulldog Yokozuna and, you know, Bret Hart. <laughs> and, and Jim Neidhart. Well, Jim Neidhart. Jeff Jarrett, obviously better than him. 
<laughs> oh, and Coco Beware when they were high energy, you know? Um, yeah, Owens, can you blame him saying that Jeff Jarrett's the best then? <laughs> He's had a few duds in there. Uh, that, that's a that's a real shot. Like, aside from the Bulldog, it's a real outlier. It's really only insults the Bulldog. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Really, um, it does, pretty much. Uh, they mentioned that Owen is a five-time WWF tag team champion, which I thought was a nice little touch. Uh, Deborah tries to get involved. Like you mentioned, Owen gets manhandled in this match. He's doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and mm. this is the best pure wrestling match on the card so far. But um, Deborah tries to get involved in the match. Uh, Mark Henry uh, is... Deborah tries to get involved and distract Mark Henry, but Ivory cuts her off. D'Lo then stops the ladies um, from getting into a brawl. Owen then uses the guitar on Mark Henry's knee and then uh, what I liked was cleans up the guitar shrapnel afterwards. Yeah, it was really good. And he also took time to make sure he was completely behind Mark Henry to really get him in the knee. Owen Hart put a lot of thought into the finish, Um, you know, smashing his leg with the guitar. Then he gets rid of the evidence. Then uh, Jeff Jarrett puts on the figure four. In terms of the wrestling in this match, it was good. These are four of the most reliable mid-card guys that we've seen, mm. you know, in all the shows we watch. They're usually good. As long as Mongo isn't involved with Jeff Jarrett, it's all good with Jeff Jarrett. It's Yeah, Jeff Jarrett's very happily... He's a good chorus player. If this was a play, you'd happily put him in the chorus, and it's all, it's all safe. But post-match, um, as was the style at the time, Ivory tries to de-robe Deborah. And Jeff Jarrett acts really indignant towards it, which I always thought was very amusing. Well, remember, that was the big threat Um, in the promo with D'Lo, Mark Henry, and Ivory. They were like, Ivory's ready. She'll rip every shred of clothes off Deborah. Like, she was, you know, the the muscle they brought in who loves ripping off clothes. (laughs) Like, that's her specialty. (laughs) Um, uh, We get another little flashback of Kevin Kelly with Mankind, and Mankind is commentating the footage of The Rock attacking him on Sunday Night Heat, with a, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, and that um, segment from Sunday Night Heat of Mar- of Mankind being trained by, you know, old guys from the uh, from the 80s Bob is Backlund pretty fun. And The Sheik. Yeah. yeah the, the Sheik IMC. also looks good. Yeah, I know. You forget that. Like, hey, in the 90s, he still looked okay. <laughs> when did it all go downhill? Like the day of WrestleMania 17 and the gimmick of the model? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which, funnily enough, he should finally be finishing his entrance if we go by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, oh, who wow, said that, that's amazing. Yeah, he's like, it'll be WrestleMania 39 by the time he gets out there, which I oh, thought was really, really cool. I don't know what shape Sheik is in, but if they can just wheel him out for a segment <laughs> and he can say, oh, I'm coming for the Battle Royal, or just something to tie it back to that Heenan line, that would be amazing. That would be really cool. Um, just quickly, we saw ourselves one of those little mail away things that the WWF was doing at the time. You get yourself a photo magnet. Very cool at the time. Mm. Send in your bill. <laughs> uh, how much do you reckon those collectibles are worth? Because they're pretty rare if they're the mail only, you know, the bandana, the drink bottle, the photo magnet. If someone has collected all of the WWE bill prizes, mm. that would be a great collection. They are they they're very rare and very very expensive, especially if you still have it. Like for example, you can get like Hulk Hogan mail away things and stuff like that, and and basically people still keep them in the little bags because if you got like they're astronomical, like and it really like makes you sort of say like 
who has been saving this for 23 years still in the packaging? It's crazy. Yeah. Who knew? Like, I'm going to hold on to this bandana. Yeah. All right. We're... <laughs> I'm always amused by Val Venus when I watch back uh, these days because we get a recap of the Val Venus and Ken Shamrock feud. Val Venus has a new adult movie out. It's called Sister Act. And I love how it's like starring Val Venus and Ken Shamrock's sister. Like it's always, it's always like, like when he was feuding with, hmm, go on. I was going to say, like, that is how you would sell it. If you're a, you know, a porn video company, you would say, Ken Shamrock's sister. You wouldn't. Who's Ryan Shamrock? You know what I mean. You know. Yeah. No, no. That, that, that's a good point. Good point. Because remember, point. <laughs> here we go. Let's do a deep dive on this. Remember the um, Kim Kardashian and the Paris Hilton sex tapes. They were yep. originally promoted as like superstar Kim K. It was trying to. She wasn't famous yet. They had to kind yeah. of tell you, like heiress to the Hilton fortune. Yeah, that's screwed in. Like you didn't know who Paris Hilton was. That's true. That's true. So maybe this. So did his research on (laughs) promotion of porn. (laughs) So what I loved was this video was called Sister Act. Uh, Like, like we've seen the preacher's wife. Now we've seen Sister Act. It's just, it's just brilliant stuff here. I don't know. Can I say it's brilliant stuff? At the time, it was brilliant stuff. Um, so we get a full recap of the feud. Billy Gunn is out as the special referee here. It's Val Venus versus Ken Shamrock. Venus has Ryan Shamrock out with him. Val does his usual promo and Billy Gunn is apparently the X factor here, according to the commentary team. Now, this is the Ken Shamrock that we know and love. I feel that this era of 1999 Shamrock, this is the one that is the definitive Ken Shamrock. You you really think this is a definitive Ken Shamrock? The blue tights, losing his mind the entire time. Like like it's it's not really you know like when I picture Ken Shamrock from like SmackDown one, this is the Ken Shamrock that I picture. Oh, okay. In that sense, I was going to say, I looking back on it, I've got to say here at the start of nineteen ninety nine, Ken Shamrock has lost a lot of his appeal for me. I prefer. Yeah. Babyface Ken Shamrock from 97 to, I don't know, WrestleMania 14. Or no, actually, no, SummerSlam 98, uh, Lions Den match. I think mm-hmm. turning him heel, I know the crowd turned on him in the triple threat yeah. with Mankind and The Rock and they just rolled with it. I don't think him turning heel, he ever recovers from it. He never goes past a certain point again. No, uh, the nearest he gets to it is when he, when him, Mankind, Big Show, and Test become the union. You're right, because he turns face again. Yeah, but that lasts so, that's like a blink of an eye of a faction, mm. which is a shame because it, it was really, really cool. <laughs> and I, I do love that it's, it, it's, and the union has a proper acronym of like union of people you order respect, son, which is just up yours. Yeah. Vince Russo, another just great one from him. It is kind of cool. I was trying to remember what union was, and yeah, up yours. Right. <laughs> Which is the fact that like he's gone to that effort of like he's probably retrofitted that back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I sort of said, Billy Gunn gets into Ken Shamrock's face. Shamrock, let's recall, let's remember here too. Shamrock is the heel because he just he doesn't want his sister to date a porn star. That's yep. why he's the heel. 
I think that's fair <laughs> enough. Everyone should be sex positive and respect Val Venus <laughs> and his line of work. If she wants to take part, now, good for her. But you know, I, I thought the stranger thing, though, was Billy Gunn being the referee and having to do the, uh, oh, you didn't know, like the whole shtick on his own. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, because when he came out with um with the whole um New Age Outlaws music, it was I was just like, oh, that's right. He does like Arse Man doesn't come till later. Mm. A lot later, so he had to do it. Where was Road Dog at this time? Don't know. Injured. Injured. Oh, injured. Okay, that's why they they, they the, the hardcore title was vacated as well. So at least Kayfabe is injured. So I have a feeling he might be something uh, what- else. I also think that maybe, you know, our man Road Dog possibly, well, let's just speculation on our part now. But um, uh, I, look, I actually thought it was a pretty dead match. Like, it didn't seem to, it was good, but there wasn't, wasn't really much to write home about. I expected more here. i got to say, these heel Ken Shamrock matches don't have the same impact either because he's in control mm-hmm. for most of them. And it's, he doesn't like, I don't know, trying to get heat doesn't seem to work. He's better at the comeback. And Val Venus kind of just being this weird heel and face at the same time in this match. Some matches, Val Venus isn't a straight cut heel or face. We've seen it before. Like when he feuded with Dustin, he was kind of a heel. But in most of the other matches, he's a face. So the crowd doesn't really know who to react for. Although this match, I didn't realize this is the uh, where the infamous clip comes from, where Ken Shamrock rolls out of the ring and confronts his, quote, sister, and she's in his face. The crowd is there. He doesn't realize the cameraman is right next to him, and he just says to her, slap me. And, and the <laughs> mic just captures it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Ken Shamrock was notorious for calling spots like very audibly. Okay, but um, I thought you were going to say he was notorious for dating women who played his sister in real life because <laughs> it's that's so funny. That's like what... I know there's nothing wrong with that at all. They're both just playing a role, but so funny. Him and uh, Michael C. Hall uh, probably have meetings uh, talking about this because because uh, he cause Michael C. Hall dated the. The actress that played his sister Deborah in Dexter. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Swapping notes. I'm Still pretty strange. sure. I'm pretty sure the Brady Bunch all had a weird thing going too. There. Oh, that's that's a completely different like rabbit hole to go down. Mm. My God, that was just yeah. With that era of TV, seventies TV <laughs> seems like it, it just seems like it's the sort of thing that would make Scott Hall probably go. Eh, you guys are messed up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if I want to be in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now Billy Billy Gunn doesn't count three, uh, and and Shamrock absolutely cracks it. Shamrock does a belly to belly. Uh, I don't know what the hell I've written here. There's an ankle lock of Venus, and Ryan Shamrock helps him to the ropes. There's a fast count by Billy Gunn after Ken Shamrock attacks him. Post match, Billy Gunn takes out Val Venus. What the hell's going on here? I Billy- have no idea what the hell just happened. Billy Gunn is kind of the only face in the situation for some reason. So he beats up Val Venus, who just won the IC title for the first time, and uh, Billy Gunn just kind of steals the spotlight, and Ken Shamrock is very mad at him. I don't know. This was such a weird feud. Even looking back at it, I don't know. Yeah, like there was something with Ken and Billy, but then they injected Val Venus into it. 
and there's just too much <laughs> going on. The whole Ryan Shamrock saga. Yeah. Not great. Um, although what is great is this commercial that follows because it's a commercial for Mr. Socko. It's a Mr. Socko, Socko T-shirt, which I thought was, this is how, like, you could slap anything. Like, this seems like the sort of T-shirt that you would see at the Queen Victoria Market for, like, 10 bucks. Seemed like a bootleg. The whole ad was hyping up Mr. Socko, and then they show the T-shirt at the end, and it said, Mr. Socko, it's not just a sock, it's an adventure. Was that ever said on TV? That's not Never. a phrase. And it's it also, it also doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. No, that's, yeah, the, the, that sentence and the grammar and the syntax doesn't work. Um, yeah. Going back to titles, can I just say quickly, I was Googling during uh, mm -hmm. the discussion about that match. How dare you say that, you know, saying Ken Shamrock's sister isn't a way that you would advertise that movie. So Kim Kardashian's tape was officially mm -hmm. called Kim Kardashian superstar featuring hip hop star Ray J. So you got to be real descriptive if you want people to buy these <laughs> videos. The Pam and Tommy video was officially titled Pam and Tommy Lee Stolen Honeymoon. You got to really tell people what you got to really, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just to really break through the noise. Yeah. You're like Val Venison, <laughs> who? Oh, Ken Shamrock's sister. Shamrock's okay. sister, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, uh, so after the post-match uh, and, and the commercial for the Mr. Soko t-shirt, it leads to a video recap of China leaving DX and joining the corporation. This leads to the match of X-Pac and Triple H versus Kane and China. And i got to say, I'm so used to seeing that DX video, you know, the one that's where they do the quick cuts. Mm. I'm so used to seeing it pixel and really, really blown up, like from a small resolution, from all the times I've played WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> so when you watch a real video, especially now, you know, streaming on Foxtel or Binge, it looks Binge, too yeah. good. It doesn't look it's, right. It's way too crisp, and I'm so used to just seeing the two frames of... Yeah. You know. <laughs> Even on that, can I just say, watching these shows for the past few years is a little bit weird, because remember when the DVDs first came out and there would be, you know, match compilations or classic pay-per-views like just mania and just SummerSlam, just that kind of stuff getting those first few dvds i remember my brother commented at the time he was like i don't like watching wrestling looking this way he's like it doesn't look right watching it in high def as opposed to, yep. to a vhs and i still think that especially now that we're watching all of these shows which are burnt into my brain which can be upscaled like the, mm. the stuff from the 80s doesn't look too different but this stuff it looks almost too nice. It's not what yeah. my memory had, you know. Yeah, you're right. It's funny as when you, when you think of it like that way. But um, um, Hunter does the full, uh, you know, DX. You know, let's get ready to suck it, all that sort of shtick. But he also calls China a jacked up bitch. <laughs> you jacked up bitch. And also, can I just say, Michael Cole calls her a Benedict Arnold. And you know what? This bugged me because this is one of those things commentators in wrestling always say. Look, we know what a Pearl Harbor is because we know, you know, World War II, it's kind of still in our memory. Yeah. Who the hell is Benedict yeah. Arnold to someone who's not American? I Googled it. So now I know when we watch wrestling, when they say, what a Benedict Arnold, this is from Biography for Kids, just to make it simple. Three mm. facts about Benedict Arnold. Occupation, Revolutionary War General. Cool. Born January 14 in Connecticut. Best yeah. known for being a traitor when he changed sides from the US to the British. 
So now when yeah. a commentator says, oh, what a Benedict Arnold, now I know what they're talking about. There you go. There you go. Uh, which is weird because it's such a, like, it's so in the lexicon of being like, oh, yeah, you're Benedict Arnold or whatever like that. But I've never, yeah. I don't actually think I've ever used it in its correct form. <laughs> Now that I think about it. When you lend someone five bucks and they don't return it, you're like, what a Benedict oh, Arnold. You just yeah, use it Benedict in the wrong context. There yeah, we go. exactly. Yeah. Oh, he didn't want to come out tonight. Bloody Benedict Arnold. <laughs> Benedict Arnold over here, not you know, shouting his round at the pub. You know? Yeah, just pretty much. Um, can I point out, too, that the cane shtick is still massively over at this point in time? Like, it's almost two years. No, no, it's it's... Well, Kane's had a full year on the thing, but like people still like like oh Kane, ooh. oh they do a great job here because it's you know Kane with China, so Kane is the threat here. X Pac and Triple H do such a good job. The only times they can really do damage to Kane because they're not main eventers is when they team up. the mm. The psychology in this match, the build of this match, the heat for this match from the crowd. To me, this was match of the night by a mile. Up to this point, wasn't even close. Almost a perfect tag team match in terms of everyone playing their role right. Yeah, to break it down would take too long, but just kind of a perfect tag match for what it was, I thought. Uh, one thing I want to quickly point out is, did you happen to notice the China is my father sign that was in the background? I did, and I was thinking, was this... Um, <laughs> I can't remember if we've seen the sign yet, or I just remember it from the Attitude Era. The whole, you know, Cartman... Cartman's dad. Oh, yeah. The whole South Park yeah. thing. Was this maybe a take on that? Possibly. Because the big I think mystery, was, the cliffhanger was who's Cartman's dad. So, I don't it know. Do, it does It does fit the timeline. Definitely. It does fit the timeline, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, actually, no, you know what? Wasn't that like a Super Bowl kind of thing? This is February. I wonder if it's close. Maybe. Maybe. But um, uh, there's another thing that we also need to mention too. Shane McMahon is out on commentary and every time I listen to it, all I could think of was WWF Attitude on PS1. Yeah, absolutely. Because I didn't, I honestly didn't even know he was a commentator when Attitude came out. We didn't get heat. You we know, didn't get all, heat. Yeah, we, yeah, get we heat. never so had it like, heat. It was like Shane McMahon. Who's Shane McMahon? You know, didn't really, yeah. you know, didn't really get it. Um, but because he always, because also Kane, not Kane, sorry. Shane doesn't commentate. He talks in sound bites. So I, it is yeah. exactly attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to remember all the things he would always say in attitude, you know. Yeah, it's like, like my pops, Vince McMahon, used to say, listen to this capacity crowd. And yeah, all that sort of boom stuff. shakalaka. He was, just, yeah. he was basically the announcer from NBA Jam doing yeah. wrestling. You know what was funny, though? Like we've mentioned before, the energy that 90s Shane McMahon had. When <laughs> yeah. you listen back to the commentary, it's kind of the template of what Pat McAfee does now in that yeah. he's kind of the relatable kind of jock bro. And there's a lot of the like, oh, let's go kind of thing, you know? Mm. So the impact yeah. of Shane McMahon still being felt now on commentary. Severely underrated there. Um, uh, now, we mentioned like to go in through the say, just do yourself a favor. Try to uh, track this down because it's weird seeing pre-main event Triple H, like he's just on the cusp. 99 is clearly his breakout year. But, um, oh, and X-Pac is miles ahead of Triple H at this point, I thought. It yeah. was weird seeing him in a tag match. X-Pac came into DX, and I think he doesn't get enough credit. X-Pac is the star of DX, I think, in terms of non-outlaws promos or whatever. 
I've written like he still also like a lot of people say that oh once he broke his neck he sort of like that's where it all went downhill. X Park is still on the level of six, I reckon. Like he can yep. still go. He's killing it here. Um, I love this match. This was kind of a hidden gem. I was really shocked at how much I like this match. I don't even remember it happening, but it's very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I found it pretty funny that uh, Triple H had red tights. Uh, like the red version of uh, the Triple H pants. Red and black. He was matching yeah. Kane there for some reason. Yeah. What about, there's a spot in the match, just to tell you how over this match was and how good of a job they did of building it and getting the crowd into it. At one point, China is working over X-Puck and she puts the headlock on him and they go old school with the hand dropping three times. They thought China was going to win with a headlock because when X-Puck stops himself and hypes himself up and gets the hot tag, they go absolutely mental. Yeah. And China has got nuclear heat for um, for turning on DX and joining the corporation. It is crazy. First intergender match, apparently, this is uh, Michael Cole kept saying as well. That makes sense. You know what? To be fair, yeah, it wasn't mixed tag in the WWE yeah. modern sense. They were yeah. just fighting China. Yeah, uh, so uh, it ends with Triple H being outnumbered because there's a Bronco Buster on China. Shane interferes, only to be chased out to the back by X-Park because of that, Triple H is outnumbered. Goes to give China a pedigree, but Kane chokeslams Triple H, gets some incredible elevation on uh, Triple H as well, who then covers Hunter with China. Bada bing, bada boom. Like you said, Simon, hidden gem. Do yourself a favor and track this down. In fact, the back half of this pay-per-view is fantastic. The last 90 minutes is just a really good, solid wrestling. Yeah, I had a feeling that would happen. I remember we ran through the card for this and I was like, wow, this sounds rough. <laughs> Maybe this isn't as good as we thought. Once it picks up steam, the last three matches, it's very, very good. Kind of similar to the uh, Capital Carnage. I remember that yeah. was the same, where once it got going the last few matches, but that's the WWE in this era. They're always going to stick the landing at the very least. Yeah, um, Colin, uh, Colin, Jerry Lawler then run through the Rock versus Mankind feud. We see the two ambulances out back as we look at the history. I look at halftime heat, which is which is something that happened as well. We also get the Sunday Night Heat flashback where Mick Foley is training with Bob Backlund and Iron Sheik. As I, as we mentioned, Sheik looks in great shape for once. Um, Mankind starts the match with his back turned to The Rock, kind of a throwback to the Royal Rumble. The Rock capitalizes on this. And look, if we went through this match bit by bit, play by play, it would take forever. But there is so much going on. These guys just, The Rock and Mankind, I reckon, made each other uh, during this little feud here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch it back because when this match started, I actually thought this was the ladder match. Hmm. I got the order wrong. The ladder match is the next night on Raw. But if you take out their match on Raw and the other match on Raw where Foley wins the title and the halftime heat, if we just go pay-per-views only in this feud, I can't think of another title feud where they, and I know using the word main event is tricky because they didn't go on last for any of them except Survivor Series. What Mm. other title feud had four straight pay-per-views? I couldn't think of one. Because they did Survivor Series, Rock Bottom, the Rock Rumble, bottom. and this. Four pay-per-views in a row for the world title. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see how that would be done this year. Because like, if it was done in the present day with like social media and all that sort of stuff. Because I guarantee you people would shit on oh, shit on it. That um, Absolutely. That, that like, oh, this, they're hot shot in the belt too much. Like when you think about it. But 
this was literally one of like you didn't care. This could be the first match, could be the middle match. This was just a great feud. And it was also really good, really solid booking too, because this was such a big feud that Austin could do his own thing with McMahon and kind of tie up the loose ends to an extent. And then everything collides at WrestleMania. So you're not mm-hmm. getting burnt out on Rock and Austin. They're both doing their separate things. And only when everything falls into place after this night where it's like, okay, no more debate. We got through the rumble. We got through all the screwiness. It's Rock and Austin. Let's yep. go one-on-one. Very, very cool with a sprinkle of Mick Foley in there as well, yep. which also is figured out on the night of WrestleMania. But we'll get to that, obviously, when we uh, review WrestleMania. So many cool little spots here. As we said, we brawl. And it, it, there's a lot of callbacks to the uh, the Royal Rumble because they fight in the crowd. They fight in the entranceway. Everywhere. Um, there's some cool spots with the steel steps. There's even a little ricochet chair shot that The Rock does perfectly, I should point out. It's a it actually one. looks Yeah. It actually looks like he, like, <laughs> I know there was a bit of bad blood between The Rock and Mankind after all those chair shots, but seeing how The Rock ricocheted himself with a chair, it's just like, I guess just that, that's just how The Rock does chair shots. Good to know. It's not He had nothing personal against Foley or Ken Shamrock. He just swings yeah. a chair really, really hard, even at himself. Um, yeah. I, I love The Rock doing commentary here. That's become like a signature spot of his. But then yeah. he also took the mic in the ring, and I forgot this was the match it's from. Because they're in Memphis, he does his rendition of SmackDown Hotel, where he sings, mm. you know, uh, the lyrics. Yeah, since Frox Baby left him, yeah. Yeah, I think we'd all know that because this was on so many, you know, greatest moments, blah, 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 and compilations. Great, great bit. And not only that, too, this was the era, this is a bit of a throwback, where when you go to wrestling sites, you could get like a little sound bite of that yes. and download it. Yeah, so, yeah. So a lot of wrestling fans would have had that. But um, let's talk about the finish because it's a really good finish. It's a double chair shot that ends into a double can out. Like they picture perfectly both swing a chair at each other and knock each other out. The crowd isn't happy, but it's a great finish. The timing of it was very impressive. The fact that they both made contact at the same time, it's great, but it's last man standing. We get a double 10 count. Medics are out. They wheel them off and that's the end of it. The fact that WWE would kind of do this again in 04 with HBK and Triple H in their last man standing, it's a little Mm -hmm. bit annoying because it's like, oh, last man standing, you're telling me twice you've had a double knockout. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I feel like a double knockout shouldn't happen once, let alone twice. Let alone twice. You know what? A great way to get out of having a finish. Yeah, very much so. I think maybe the, like, especially after they did, like, if we're going by cheap finishes, I reckon the rock bottom finish was a lot cheaper than this one. How did that one end? To be honest, that match I always forget, um, even though we that, watched it two months ago. That's where the rock uh, part. Does the rock pass out? I'm pretty sure the rock either passes out. Oh, that's right. And it wasn't and by. He didn't submit. Yeah. He yeah, didn't yeah. submit, and there was no pinfall. So. Oh, man. So you don't get the title. Yeah, that was a much more BS one there. To so. be fair, the Survivor Series was a Montreal screw job as well. These guys never had a real finish. The Royal Rumble yeah. was the recorded I quit. What a screwy yeah. feud when you look back. But you know what? 
good booking. You don't even care about worked that stuff. exactly. Yeah. It worked a treat. It, yeah. it absolutely worked a treat too. Funny too, because when you think about it, like The Rock winning the Royal Rumble as well, like technically Big Show landed. Uh, <laughs> was the winner of the two thousand Royal Rumble. Rock's had a few shitty, shitty wins there. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we finally get to our main event. We get a recap of the feud, and what I thought was cool. It's a it's a look back at the Austin versus McMahon feud from the Rumble until now. And how much stuff happened? Like it goes to the corporation. It's it's a cr- incredible amount of content, and f- to keep this feud fresh, mm. this video was awesome. Kind of a forgotten one. This one was the flip side to the intro video, which was the old timey love song. This one was like a new metal late nineties sounding Valentine's Day song, um, <laughs> yeah. but set to the video. Yeah, fantastic. WWE's production gets better and better as we watch. And yeah, absolutely hyped for the main event here. It set the stage. We're finally getting them. You know, it's a cage, so there's no interference. The corporation Mm -hmm. isn't allowed to interfere. After the screwiness of the Rumble, whoever wins this is going to WrestleMania. Like Austin and Vince, it all gets settled tonight, hopefully. Yeah, uh, it's also like one. Uh, the, the the steel cage is not the chain link one. It's those. It's it's the blue bars, but they're now black. Mm. Um, it, it it's a there's a big cat and mouse between Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. They brawl on the front row of the crowd. Vince lures Stone Cold into the crowd, and they fight amongst the fans. Austin beats Vince's head off the cage, and he falls off through the Spanish announce table in an insane spot, which then leads to a stretcher for Vince and one of the best little exchanges uh, and sequences in the match as well. Oh, I love it. That Look, that bump by Vince McMahon is absolutely incredible to fall back first and hit the edge of the table. I'm pretty sure he was meant to break the table, but he just hits the edge and it's way more painful. But anyway... You're right. The, the spot where Austin gets on the mic and says, hold on, you didn't get in the ring. The bell hasn't rung. I'm not done whooping your ass yet. Get back in yeah. here. It's so fun. And I just wanted to check the runtime of this match. Officially, this match was only eight minutes long, but there is so <laughs> much BS before it that the crowd is just in for. It works because Vince isn't a wrestler. This is more of an angle than a traditional match, but in terms of mm. being a main event, it is 100% a great main event, I thought. Mate, you're not wrong because it's great. Vince gets back because he even sort of like, you know, the, the board they strap you to uh, when you put it on the stretcher, like Vince gets smacked in the head with that. He's back in the ring in the neck brace uh, in the cage and the match begins officially. Austin beats him to a pulp and every time... He's about to win and exit the cage. Vince gives him the bird and lures him back in. Oh, it's so good. Like, yeah, just the performance of both guys here. Just Austin absolutely (laughs) destroying Vince McMahon for the whole match. This is what people wanted years later when Bret Hart would wrestle Vince McMahon. Just absolutely destroy him for 20 minutes. And Austin doing it here was so fun. The crowd... It was like finally getting revenge after two years or whatever. This was catharsis for everyone. Like yeah. finally beat up Vince and Austin just couldn't resist every time Vince McMahon would lure him back in. That shot of Vince McMahon bleeding on his knees where he looks oh, like he's crying and he's doing those weird 
half crooked finger like, Vince McMahon burst. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the last amount of strength. Screw you, Austin, <laughs> kind of thing. And Austin's face, you know, where he, like he does it so well, where he's just like, I could win. But I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, it's a great thing about Austin. He's that little cheeky smile where he's like, all right, you really want to keep doing it? <laughs> he was about, and you know, Austin doesn't normally show remorse, but he was like, I'm going to win. But it's like, all right, you've tem- tempted me. I'm back in. Mm. Let's just keep doing it. So if, as as the there's a stunner on Vince, he's getting the absolute tar beaten out of him. The giant crawls out of the ring. And obviously they can't call him the giant. So it's just like Michael Cole saying, it's Paul White. It's Paul White. It's Paul yeah. White. We should criticize this, I think, because we criticized it at the time, I think, or, you know, when mm. we were kids, mm. because it was like, well, who's, what's Paul White? Is that his real name? We don't know. There are no, yeah, yeah, you know, never known him as Paul White. <laughs> Couldn't and he I have said, the, this yeah. man is gigantic, you know, just, yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or even like the vague, like, wait a minute, King, is that, oh, it can't be, you know, that sort of like, what's he doing here? You know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was assumed but, um, we knew who Paul White was. Yeah. And the stupid thing, too, is he looked nothing like, he, admittedly, like, yes, we know who he is, but it just looked like a big dude. Like, he, he wasn't, maybe they didn't want to, like, dress him like the giant or anything like that, but there was nothing giant-esque about him. His hair was too flowy. <laughs> it was just. He had his hair teased and bleached blonde. <laughs> like, mm. he didn't even look like, yeah, he looked like the giant dressing up as Vince Neil from Motley Crue or something. It was weird. <laughs> Not sure what was going on with the hair. <laughs> yeah, which was so strange. But yeah, so the big show then throws Stone Cold into the cage. He's like trying that like this is Vince's secret plan. But he throws him into the cage, which then gives way, and Austin falls out of the cage, thus winning the cage match because he entered first. And I don't know about you, but the faces on all three guys, like big show with the face of like, ah, oh, come on. Vince with his face of like, no, no, he's going to WrestleMania. And Austin with that look of, did I just win? Yeah, Austin's always good at doing that. Like, he'll give it away sometimes without always being like, I'm the overpowering tough guy who never is surprised. Like, no, his face there was great. It was a perfect reaction of like, did I just win? But also, it will screw you, Vince. You know, you tried pulling this and it backfired. Like, he can do so much with an expression, but Vince McMahon's face here for the reaction of like him looking like he's crying because his plan backfired is just amazing. Vince McMahon, one of the great uh, sellers of all time. And I'll tell you what, I thought the ending, if you think about it, I think a lot of people would have crapped on this in the modern times because it's a bit screwy. It doesn't pay off the feud, blah, blah, blah. But it's such a huge reaction because the crowd doesn't care. All they care about is screw you, Vince Austin's going to WrestleMania and it's a match. It's the pop of the night, you know, it's huge for a February pay-per-view. This is like fantastic, but let's run through quickly. Like when we go through our MVPs, cause it's a hard one to sort of pick. There's no real, cause Austin, Austin and Vince really just sort of star in the end. Like that's about it. Mm. I'd almost say Vince McMahon though. Just yeah, is, is this his first official match? Not the Royal Rumble, like first, first match. Yeah, yeah, I know he's like done some stuff on Raw, but his performance I thought was fantastic. The and when brutality, you think about it, the bump off yeah. the cage, bleeding, the facial expressions. 
Well, let's let's try and put apples to apples. Let's try and do an apples to apples comparison. If you were to have, say, Sting versus Eric Bischoff in the main event, ain't no one buying that. Ain't no one buying that WCW pay per view. Well, Vince we saw Ric Flair versus Eric Bischoff, and it sucked. Yeah, Vince versus Austin. The fact that it broke records for people buying this pay per view basically says it all. Yeah, and it's a great match. It's uh, one of Vince's best because he would go on to have some damn good matches, I think. And one of Austin's kind of underrated, just fun, silly main events. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's a great match and it still holds up. It was very fun. Yeah, I'm going to... It's a solid pay for you. It it gets... I feel like it's one of those lost classics because people hear about it, but they don't sort of go back and watch it. It's... Admittedly, the first half is skippable, but the la- the back end of it, go anyway to try and track it down. Yeah, I thought so. The last three matches, whatever that ends up being an hour and a half, is worth it. And hey, you watch this on Binge, right? Yeah. I watched it on Foxtel On Demand because it's up now. So oh, yeah. there are so many ways to watch this now in Australia. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I don't have the network. Come on, you got to have one or the other, I would think. Exactly. Yeah, so it's very, very cool stuff. Speaking of which... Our next uh, episode of Reliving the War is going to be an interesting one because it is WCW Uncensored. Uh, oh, boy. It's, what on it's, earth uh, is the main event? I wouldn't have a clue anymore. It is Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan in the barbed wire steel cage first blood match. Oh, no. Okay. I mentioned to you off air, I thought the last pay-per-view we watched was this main event. This main event I watched only a couple of years ago while I was trying to sit through every Nitro. And this is where I, this is legitimately where I gave up on that before we started (laughs) doing this show. So, yeah. That's going to be fun. And I also think this is one of the last pay per views where it's the old school block WCW logo as well. The end of an era. Tell you what, let's compare it. Just remember this main event that we just watched. With Austin mm-hmm. and Vince in a cage, let's see Flair and Hogan in a cage is better. Yeah, you know what? Do you reckon that when they were booking Uncensored '99 that they went, oh, you want to be like cage matches, eh? Well, what about one with barbed wire <laughs> and a first blood match <laughs> and two of the most famous wrestlers ever? Yeah, uh, yeah. Didn't a similar hey, look- thing happen in '97 though, where Bad Blood, the the first Hell in a Cell, was just right after Hogan and Piper in their terrible cage match? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just because I remember that raw promo from Cornette where he says, you know, oh, the the greatest cage match, well, blah, 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 Hell in a Cell was, yeah. Yes, I think you're right because that was the blood feud. You know, it was like, it was, yeah, I think you're actually spot on there. Yeah, but um, look, while it wasn't fun watching Super Bowl Nine. It was fun to to go through it. So hopefully we can have the same thing with Uncensored 99, which I should also point out too, isn't branded with NW. It's like it's it's Super Brawl was the last WCW NWO branded pay-per-view. Wow. So they don't even care that the NWO is now NWO Elite or NWO Wolfpack or whatever they call themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So uh this should be pretty pretty cool to see. But um, yep, that'll be that's basically it. Do yourself a favor, and if you can, like we said, jump on binge, jump on Foxtel on demand, and 
get St. Valentine's, even if you found it in a in a thrift shop or an op shop uh, on VHS, pick it up. It's very easy to to see because it's got the best poster too, just Vince holding flowers. Yeah, I love those real gimmicky posters they used to do. This one's great. Like, what a, it's so good. You could put it up as a piece of art. Yeah. It's really, really good. But uh, yeah, do yourself a favor. Check it out. We'll catch you next time for another edition of Reliving the War. Make sure you check us out on the social media at ENT on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But on behalf of Simon, I've been Nims Azor. We'll catch you next time for Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network.